I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine. When all I will do is forever, forever worship you, I can only imagine, I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I stand for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still Will I stand in your presence Or to my knees will I fall Will I sing Hallelujah Will I be able to speak it all I can only imagine Yeah, yeah I can only imagine I can only imagine Oh yeah, I can only imagine, I can only imagine, oh yeah, I can only imagine, oh yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine When all I will do is forever Forever worship you. I can only imagine. Guys, I kind of missed the whole verse there. I got carried away. Uh, but I want you to know, guys, I love my Hopewell family and I miss y'all very much.
Thank you all for asking me to come sing. Very much. If you have your Bibles this morning, as we continue our series on activating agreements, if you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. This morning we're looking at Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, as we talk about agreements every day. Uh, we deal with things that come our way, and we have to choose uh, to the thoughts that come in our mind. We have to choose uh, to say, is this truth or is this a lie, and am I going to agree with the truth. And agreeing with truth means not only that I believe it, but I act like I believe it. I act on that truth. I talk like that truth is true. Or, or I believe a lie. And, uh, and I act like that's true. And I speak and talk like that is true. And so today, uh, we've been talking about several agreements with God, with life, with ourselves, last week with others, which is a big one. Uh, today, we're going to talk about our agreements with fear. Agreements with fear. Look at Isaiah chapter 41, 10, and we'll read through verse 13. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing as a non-existent thing. And watch, he says it again. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Can you remember what your child's first words were? Some of you can. I was uh, uh, looking at a magazine called Parents Magazine, and some parents had written in with what their child's first words were. Uh, Hannah Grace's first words were dada, of course. Now, Laura contends that it's mama, but she's in the children's church, and I'm in here, and so it's dada <laughs> for today. Her second word, her second word, Laura says, was duck. Jack Sampson says it was Jack. <laughs> so it's going to be Jack being here for uh, today, right? Uh, interesting some, what some people said their children's first words were. Uh, one lady wrote in and said her, her child's first words was Momo for Elmo. That's kind of sad when you say Elmo before you say Mommy or Daddy, isn't it? Another one said Gobble Gobble was their first words. It was around Thanksgiving time, and so they did the Gobble Gobble thing. Another one, believe it or not, she said at two and a half months old, after the diaper changed, her little girl said, all clean. <laughs> and said she, she said it every time after a diaper change, except when somebody else was around, she never would say it, and nobody else has ever believed her. That it actually happened at two and a half months. I don't know, I don't, do you believe her? No. <laughs> She's not getting any believers in here uh, either. Um, another one said their first word was arf, arf, talking to the dogs outside the bedroom. <laughs> another one said, this is, this is a, a little baby after my own heart, first words were I eat. Can I get an amen? Yeah. I eat. Amen. Uh, another one said the child's first word at seven months old was poop. <laughs> Of all things, how about that in the old baby book? Your first words, and you can show that to the girl when they come over to date. Last one, last one. This lady said that her, um, actually it was a guy, said her daughter's first, his daughter's first words was shoes. <laughs> can I get an amen, ladies? Shoes. And said uh, uh, at, at a year old, she would rather go to a shoe store than a toy store. And uh, God bless her when she turns to be a teenager, amen? Have you ever wondered what uh, mankind's first recorded words were? 
If you think about it, now, we don't know what Adam's first words were. He named the animals, so this is probably some of his first words. Uh, Eve's first words were that recorded words was an argument with Satan, talking about the tree of good and evil, that kind of thing. Adam's first recorded words in the Bible was in Genesis 3.10. He answered and said, I heard you in the garden, and I was, everybody say it, and I was afraid. And we've been saying it ever since. Yeah, Lord, I know I should obey you. I know I should do what you want me to do. And I know there's some things out here that are kind of challenging, and I know I'll be glad if I did them. But Lord, I am afraid. And so today, what we want to see is that Satan's a liar, right? He's a liar, and he wants to try to tell you that you should listen to your fears. You should do what your fears say because God, he, he can't be trusted. It's not going to come through. It's going to lead, you're going to look foolish, you're going to look silly, and this is one of the, the real places where we have to choose who do we agree with. Do, do we agree with God that the fear can be overcome. You can be afraid and still obey God. Can I get an amen? Yeah, you can, it's okay to be afraid. Being afraid is not a sin. Being afraid also is not a reason to disobey God. Now, it's not that you're to live a fearless life. Some fear is good. Some fear, you should be afraid of driving 90 miles an hour down Brooklyn Road. I'm afraid of you driving 90 miles an hour down Brooklyn Road, right? You should be afraid of, uh, of doing drugs with your friends, right? You should be afraid. There's some things you should be afraid of. When Hannah Grace was about two years old, I killed a rattlesnake in the backyard, and so I brought her out there to see it, and I said, sweetheart, do you know what you do if you see a snake like this? And she said, pet it. Said, no, it's not what you do. You need to be afraid. There's some things that we need to be afraid of. But here's the thing, and, and fear tends to dictate our life. From what am I going to wear to what am I going to say to how am I going to act to who will I invite to church? I'll invite that person that I know already goes to church. But what about that guy or that gal that's really... I use ugly language, and they live different ways, and they party on the weekends. Or are you willing to overcome the fear and speak out to that person and share Christ with that person? Are we willing to obey God when the fear is right there inside of us? Sometimes it may not feel like fear. It may feel like anxiety, which a lot of times is just fear. A lot of times worry is fear. A lot of times being sleepless at night and having a troubled heart is fear. Being concerned and nervous and uneasy and angry, all that kind of stuff. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. When God nudges us to obey him, many, many times your first instinct is going to be fear. It's one of Satan's biggest playgrounds. It's one of the places he really gets us at. And we're afraid of what? We're afraid we might be rejected. We're afraid we might be out of control. And we don't like to lose control, do we? But being a Christian means I surrender control to Jesus. We might be afraid of loneliness. If I really obey God, my friends may not want to hang out with me. I, I may feel like I won't do well. Maybe I'll try to witness or I'll try to pray out loud or something like that, and I may feel like uh, a failure. I may feel inadequate. I may feel like I'm being manipulated. I may feel like I'll, I'll be found out that I'm not a strong Christian as people think I am, or I don't know as much as people think I do. You might be afraid that you'll lose your job. You might be afraid of an illness. You might be afraid of being unloved. And here's one of the biggest ones. Why so many people disobey God is the fear of what somebody else will think, what somebody else will say. 
It's probably happened to somebody already today. You felt a nudge uh, to say something. You felt a nudge to do something. You felt a nudge to pray something. But the biggest thing that kept you was, what will somebody think about me or what will they say about me? As I said this morning, it's not talking about being fearless, but I'm talking about fearing less. Everybody say fearing less. Yeah, look at Isaiah 41.10. It's one of the, uh, fear not, it's one of the most oft-repeated verses in the Bible. And and Isaiah 41.10 is one of the best ones. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Listen, this is God speaking to you, all right? Everybody say to me. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Charles Stanley said this was the most powerful verse on fear in the entire Bible. Now, look at what it says there. It says, God is with me. God is my God. God will strengthen me. God will help me. And God will uphold me. Now, here's what I have to ask myself, and you have to ask yourself today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God said that, that he meant it, and that he meant it to you? It's easy to say, yes, I believe that sitting here in this congregation this morning, but when you're out there and you're surrounded by some non-Christians, or you're out there and God's asking you to obey him, and it's scary and it's fearful you haven't done that before and it's outside your comfort zone. In that moment, is this promise good for you? Will you believe, hey, right here in this minute, God is with me. God is my God. And God, even though this is fearful and maybe I haven't done it before and maybe it's outside my comfort zone, but I believe that God will strengthen me. And I believe that God's going to help me. And I believe God's going to hold me up with, my right, with his right hand. So here's your weekly growth suggestion today, okay? Here's your weekly growth suggestion. Memorize Isaiah 41.10, okay? Best you can. If you can't get it word perfect, it's okay. If you try every day to memorize Isaiah 41.10, it'll help you, okay? Try and then pick one of the following to declare every day. When you wake up, when you go to bed, a couple of times during the day, God is with me. God is my God. God will strengthen me. God will help me or God will uphold me. I want to challenge you to do your best to memorize Isaiah 41.10 and pick one of those. Set it by your bedside. Put it on your computer screen. Put it um, on your steering wheel. Lay it off to the side once you start driving. <laughs> put it on your steering wheel. Put it somewhere at work. Put it somewhere where you'll see it. All. Put, it put it on the door that you open more than any other door in your house. You know what door that is? Refrigerator door. That's exactly right. So God is with me. God is my God. God will strengthen me. God will help me. God will uphold me. And I want to challenge you to say it with some conviction. God is with me. God is my God. God will strengthen me. God will help me. God will uphold me. And let God's truth get burned into your heart. So I'm going to talk about three things today that help us break some agreements with fear. Because as I said, Adam's first recorded words, we've been saying it ever since, and it's one of the biggest things that deter Christians from really selling out for Jesus. I'm going to say that we need to count on his resurrection and that we need to choose to believe God, and we need to celebrate the love of God. I believe those three things will help us 
break our agreements with fear. First of all, let's count on the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. That's the biggest and the best news the world has ever heard. It's not just good news, it's the best news ever. Look at Isaiah 41.10 again. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, or it means be discouraged. Don't get down. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, what I want us to do today is put that in light of the resurrection. Okay? I want to put that verse in light of the resurrection and think about it for a minute. That verse says, I am with you. And when you lay that aside, the resurrection of Jesus, what does that mean? That he died, he rose again, and he's alive from the grave. And he sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. Isaiah knew that God was with him. We've got more reason than Isaiah did to believe that God's with us, don't we? He says, don't be discouraged. Why? Whatever your situation is, your best friend, if you're a Christian, your best friend rose from the dead. <laughs> That's a good reason not to be discouraged, right? If he can turn around that situation, I believe he can turn around your situation, my situation. I will strengthen you. Now, if I came to you and said, man, look, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you out. You can believe me or not, I'm not that much help usually. But here's the thing, especially if you've got to fix something. I'm no help at all. I, I can fix a sandwich. About it, all right? But you, you talk about somebody who's been raised from the, somebody who walked out of a grave. This person said, I will strengthen you. I will help you. And when you feel like you're about to fall, reach out to the resurrected Jesus. Grab his hand. He says, what? I will hold you up. Isn't it cool to put these things in light of the resurrection? Lay it alongside the resurrection of Jesus and see what it says to you. And then in Romans 8, 15, New International Version, the Bible says the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry out what? Abba, Father. You see, when Satan comes and says, this thing will work out for you, you're not up to it, you don't know enough to share your faith, you're not strong enough to share your faith, you're not, you're, you're not courageous enough, you're not old enough, you're not mature enough to obey God in this situation, you can cry out what? Abba, Father, my daddy. You raised your son from the dead, <laughs> and I believe you can help me too. Not only is God going to come through for me, he already has come through for you. Your biggest problem, the fear of death, your biggest issue, separation from God, he's already fixed, already done. If he'll do that for you, what else is he going to do? not going to fix all your problems. It's going to make life trouble-free. But in the midst of it, you've got a friend closer than a brother. So we can believe and declare Jesus is alive. He's alive for all of eternity. I've been made new in Jesus. And Jesus would rather die than live without you. Think about that for me. First time I ever heard somebody say that. I was like, I don't know about that. But isn't that what he did? When we were enemies, Christ died for us. And so God, Christ stretched out his arms and said, You're not, you, can't, you can't be reconciled to a holy God in your sin. I'll stretch out my hands and I will 
die so you can be with me. I will die because I want you to be with me. Listen, guys, the death and resurrection of Jesus should be a fear buster. Do take away that fear. And I mean, you know that death is not the end, but you're going to live forever. Man, you got something going on, right? Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break, watch this, the power of the devil who had the power of death only in this way. Watch. Could he set free? Everybody say set free. All who've lived their lives in the fear, to the fear of dying. Now listen, if you're not a Christian, death ought to scare you. It really should. I'll scare you bad. Because you're looking at an eternity without God. But if you're in Christ, you truly, not just prayed a prayer, not just, you know, made some kind of religious commitment, but you truly gave your life to Christ. He set you free. You're never going to die. You're going to live forever. A man, listen, guys, uh, Joseph Son was a pastor in Romania during, during the communist reign there. He was, he was threatened. He was imprisoned. And he said, the most dangerous man in the world is a man who's not afraid to die. Think about that. As Christians, we ought to be dangerous. Dangerous to non-Christians, not dangerous in a physical way, dangerous in a way that says, hey, you can't be around them without maybe getting saved. <laughs> you might be drawn to Jesus. You might experience the love of Christ. You might hear the voice of Christ if you're around that person. In fact, uh, Joseph Son, uh, when he was arrested, the communists threatened to kill him. And this is what he said. They said, if you don't, they would arrest him, turn him loose, and he'd keep preaching. And they said, we're going to kill you. And his reply is this. Sir, let me explain how I see this issue. Your supreme weapon is killing. My supreme weapon is dying. Here's how it works. You know that my sermons on tape have spread all over this country. If you kill me, those sermons will be sprinkled with my blood. Everyone will know that I died for my preaching, and everyone who has a tape will pick it up and say, I'd better listen again to what this man preached because he really meant it. He sealed it with his life, and my sermons will speak ten times louder than they speak right now. Your supreme weapon's killed and my supreme weapon's dying. Y'all got a problem on your hands. Second thing I want you to see. First of all, we count on the resurrection. Secondly, we choose to believe God. We have reasons to believe. The unity of the Bible, and I won't go into all these, but the unity of the Bible, you get 40 authors spread over 1,500 years of all different walks of life, from very poor to very rich, and they all write, and they're all in agreement, even have the same theme in their writing. There's no contradiction. It's a great reason to believe God, the resurrection of Jesus. If he isn't alive from the dead, why didn't somebody produce a body? There was no body. They went to the grave and no body was there. The Christian church, with all of our goof-ups and all of our sins and all of our mistakes, there's no reason why the church should still be around except the fact that God's true. There comes a time and a place where you and I have to say, in this situation in my life, I choose to believe God. And I'm going to act like it, and I'm going to speak like it, and, I, and I'm just going to say, God, you've given me enough evidence I can't prove it, but i got enough evidence to believe 
that you are true. That song we sang this morning, I asked Rhonda if I could have the words to it because I think I might get them tattooed on my forehead or my arm or somewhere or another where I can see them every day. Listen to what it says. You're my courage. Not, not you give me courage. You are my courage when I worry in the dead of night. Do we need an altar call yet? <laughs> I would come. How about you? You're my strength because I'm not strong enough to win this fight. You are greater than the battle raging in my mind. I think that's a word for somebody today. You're greater than the battle raging in my mind. I will trust you. Everybody say, I will trust you. I will trust you, Lord. I will fear no more. Look at Isaiah 41.10 again. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We have to make a decision to say, I choose to believe that in my situation today and speak and act that direction. Lord, I'm going to take, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to set my focus on you. I'm going to do my best to lay this fear down. And I'm going to believe that you are who you said you are. Now, this will not work if you're not a Christian. This is not for non-believers. It's not for everybody. This is to God's people. Isaiah was writing to God's people as believers in Jesus. We are God's people. We can claim that promise on his authority today. And we have to choose. Listen. He can take care of me if I belong to him. That's the biggest decision of your life. Do you belong to Jesus or not? It's nothing more important than that. And once you've settled that, every time Satan brings it, and he's going to bring the fear, right? That's, that's one of his biggest weapons. Understand, when God nudges you to do something, you feel prompted to obey him. Maybe you've never done it. Maybe it's outside your comfort zone. Maybe it causes you to be afraid. When you feel the fear, understand, aha, this is what Satan does. This is the strategy of the enemy. And Lord, I'm going to choose to focus on you, believe you, and let you take care. I'm not going to act like I don't have a heavenly father who loves me. I was listening to Gloria Gaither being interviewed this last week. Uh, if you've ever heard of the Gaither band and Gaither vocal trio and those kind of guys, Bill Gaither's, uh, you know, he's got, done so much music. But, uh, boy, if you've never heard Gloria speak, and I've heard her speak two or three times, you're missing a treat because she has a heart for Jesus. And she wrote a song. Listen to the words of this song. I'm just going to do a verse or two of it. And her song's called, I Then Shall Live. I'd never heard the song, and she just started talking about it. And, and it's based on, since I believe God, since God's word is true and I believe him, I then shall live as one who's been forgiven. I'll walk with joy to know my debts are paid. I know my name is clear before my father. I am his child. And everybody say those last four words. And I am not afraid. Why? Go back to the first line. Go back. Go back to the first line. I then shall live as one who's been what? Forgiven. He paid for it. He died for it. I'm forgiven. So what? I'm his child and I don't have to be Look to the last point. First, last point is to celebrate God's love. We, we count on the resurrection as being true. We choose in our life to believe God, and then we celebrate the love of God. We often say that faith is the opposite of fear. And you've seen uh, T-shirts, faith over fear. And, I, and that's true. I like those. That's, 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 but there's another antidote to fear. It's not just faith. The other antidote to fear is love. 
And we miss this one sometimes. You need, you need both of them. You need both of them. We miss this one sometimes because it's not as, as blatant. But what's the motive behind Isaiah 41.10? Why is God with us? Why is God going to strengthen us? Why is God going to uphold us? Why is God doing all? Because he loves you. And here it is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Listen to it in the message translation. I love this translation. Where God's love is, there's no fear because God's perfect love drives out fear. It is punishment that makes a person fear. So love is not made perfect in the person who fears. Huh. When you realize that the reason God is with you and the reason he wants to uphold you and the reason why he's going to hold your hand and the reason why you can trust him when it looks like all things are against you, when, it, when the illness strikes, when the death strikes, when the loneliness strikes, when your heart's broken in the middle of the night, the reason you don't have to fear is because God said what? I love you and that's why I'm with you. That's why you can believe me. That's at the bedrock of this thing. In fact, uh, some of you have heard of Corrie ten Boom. Corrie ten Boom survived the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. She wrote a book called The Hiding Place. She did a movie about her, her life called The Hiding Place. Tremendous testimony for Jesus. What a lot of people don't realize is that Corrie had a sister named Betsy. And Betsy was a strong, strong believer. And Betsy died in consecration camps. And Betsy's one that kept Corrie going a lot of the times. And Betsy told Corey, there, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. No matter what you face in life, nothing will ever happen that will cause you to be separated from the love of God. I was reading uh, or listening to a guy speak the other day and uh, this guy's a well-known pastor. He's been uh, pastoring for years and years. He's been in a small group with the same group of people for about 10 years. One of the guys in their group, one of the guys in their group uh, is a guy that has ALS. And, uh, you know, ALS, your muscles stop working. You get to where you can't walk and then you can't move your arms and you, you can't eat. And eventually you can't breathe and you die. And he said this guy is just such a powerful testimony to everybody in their small group. Uh, full of joy, um, faces life, you know, faces life head on. And so this pastor said to the guy, he said, look, I'm preaching on fear tomorrow, and I want you to tell me what to tell our folks. <laughs> what would you say to them? And he said this. He said basically this. He said, you know, I have ALS. And he said, the biggest fear for me has been the fear of the unknown. But he said, really, with ALS, there's not a whole lot of unknown." I know how it's going to turn out. I know what's going to happen. Uh, my muscles are going to get weaker. I'm going to get to where I can't talk. I'm going to get to where I can't eat. And then I'm going to go be with Jesus. Because I know how it's going to turn out. And he said, what I would tell them is this. When you look at your life and the things that you've been afraid of, he said, as I look at my life and the things that fear has kept me from doing, they seem really silly now that I have ALS. He said, I would tell them, don't let the fears keep you from living. Live. Live the life Jesus called you to live. Take it. You're gonna, you know how it ends. We all die, right? 
We may not know exactly how it ends. We may not know the details of how it ends. But we know how it ends. If you're a Christian, it ends with you taking your last breath here and your last breath here uh, just barely precedes your first breath there. So he said, if you know how it ends, don't let silly, and I'm not saying silly, the guy with ALS says silly, okay? Because they seem really big to us, don't, don't they? Don't let silly fears keep you from living, not somebody, he said, don't live somebody else's life. Live your life. Live the life God called you to live without apology, knowing that God has you. It's not that you've got this. It's that God has you. Would you stand, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around this morning. Where has fear been holding you back? Because it's holding most of it. It's held me back from some things this week, I'll be honest with you. So some things that I probably should have said or done, and, and boy, that instant idea of how's this going to work out. That's kind of where my fear agreements come into. How's this going to work out? What's going to happen if I do this or say this? And instead of saying, Lord, I choose to trust you in this minute, I choose, Lord, to believe Isaiah 41.10. In fact, guys, the night I got saved, this lady gave a testimony, powerful, powerful testimony. I'll tell you the story one day. She uh, ended up married to a professional gambler, hooked on heroin, all manner of stuff. And she got saved. And he was furious with her for being saved. And she began to catch on fire for Jesus and go to church. She's just in her early 20s or so, mid-20s. Probably not even that old. And she got on fire for Jesus, began living for Jesus and going to church. And he said, look, I didn't marry a religious fanatic. I'm not going to be married to a religious fanatic. And one day he went, they had a revival meeting. He went slipped in the back and grabbed her by the arm and drug her out of church and brought her into their house and pulled out a pistol and said, and she said, it's one thing when you look down the barrel of a pistol, wondering somebody can shoot you and knowing that he already has shot several people. And he put that pistol to her head and he said, I'm not going to, I didn't marry a religious fanatic, not going to be married to a religious fanatic. You can choose right now. She fell on her knees and she began to cry out to God, Oh, God, if this is my time to go, please make it quick. But God, in all of it, would you please save George? And that was the testimony that really God used to draw me to Jesus. And I asked her to sign my Bible. I had a little Bible that the church gave me when I was in fourth grade. And in my Bible, it's back in my office right now, she wrote Beverly Massagee, Isaiah 41.10. Boy, I've needed it. I haven't used it, but I've needed it every day. Is there an agreement with fear you need to break today? Is there someone who needs to come to an altar and say, Oh, God, I'm not going to let fear let me miss this opportunity. I'm not going to let fear hold me back. I'm not going to make agreements with the enemy anymore. God, I'm going to choose to, even though I feel afraid, and even though it looks sketchy, God, if you, sh if you, make it, if you show me it's you, I'm going with you, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. That our agreements with fear be broken all over this church right now, Lord. That we would choose to believe you. I pray for the person who's never been saved, never given their heart and life to Jesus to be saved today. Others who need to make other kind of decisions, rededications, become a member of this church, whatever, Lord. I pray right now that you would speak. The altar is open. Lisa starts playing softly.